Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Before we begin, I've got some big news. I have just written my first book, Happy Not Perfect, Upgrade Your Mind, Challenge Your Thoughts, and Free Yourself from Anxiety. The book will teach you my easy flex method for more flexible thoughts that will help change your thinking to transform your life. You'll read about my own journey from stress, low self-esteem and negativity and how I was able to turn it around by learning how my mind worked from world-leading experts like my podcast guests and understanding what would help my mind work better for me. If you've enjoyed my show, please pre-order the book in the link in the show notes. I can't wait for you to read it and start practicing a flexible mindset. Naturally, whole food, fruit, veg, beans, legumes, whole grains, nuts and seeds. Once you're basing your diet around them, it's naturally low in calories. It's really high in fiber, which fills you up. Like, for example, I could drink one can of Coke and it's 260 calories. Or for that 260 calories, I would have to eat 10 carrots. And to eat 10 carrots would take me two and a half hours of constant chewing and it would fill my tummy three times. So all those foods are naturally low in calories, high in fiber, high in vitamins and minerals, and uh, they really nourish your body. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. And this show is about upgrading our mind, our energy, and our understanding of how we can live life to our fullest potential. Over the next few weeks, I'm interviewing thought leaders, scientists, nutritionists, and experts to share tips and tricks for how we can shed the old and step into the new. I hope you join me on the journey. On today's show, I have David and Stephen Flynn, or otherwise known as the happy pair. 
They are best-selling authors with over 15 years experience of living a plant-based lifestyle. They have been inspiring people to discover the joys and benefits of plant-based diets through their award-winning books, their brilliant social content, their products, and very own cafes. It is a true honor to have these thought leaders and identical twins on today's show to talk about their new book, The Happy Health Plan and Living their life to the fullest. What is your favorite quote you return to often and why? Okay, I would say mine is, if you can be anything in this world, be kind. And why do you return to that one? I just think it encapsulates so much. And I think so much in life, we're so busy doing things that we think will make us happy. And ultimately, the kinder we can be to ourselves and the kinder we can be to other people the probability we're going to have a more fruitful and meaningful life. So I think it's so important and something that's overlooked and caught up with being good looking and aspiring to achieve things and whatnot. But I think kindness is such an underrated quality that we all just, it makes all of our hearts melt and makes the world a, a much more lovelier That'd place. Nice day. Thanks, Steve. It's really, really lovely. And what about yours? Okay, this one we have written on the wall in one of the toilets in one of the cafes. And you have to look in the mirror to be able to read it. It kind of reflects back. And it was um, Gandhi's one, We Must Be the Change We Want to See in the World. And I think it's just, it's a nice reminder for us all to be integral and that it's so easy to point at others. And we point at others, typically there's three fingers pointing at us. And I think all change uh, starts with ourselves. And I have one more, which I love is, you know, that, that American Indian quote, which is, it's only when we, when there's no more fish in the rivers, when there's no more food to eat, then we realize that we cannot eat money. And you know, that old school one, like that one just came to mind again. And I, I just look, I, I butchered the words now again, but it's just that lovely quote, which comes back to the same things, which we both said, the same sentiment really. I love all three of those three cracking quotes to begin this interview with. And you guys are the most amazing advocates for your own words. What is a life lesson you've been reminded of recently? So I guess starting a business, you're always trying to bring a dream into physical reality. So it starts with a thought, a concept, a feeling, which motivates to try to manifest it into this physical thing that you're kind of working, you're striving, you're building towards. And there's often a huge amount of ambition and working towards this dream, this thing in the future. And often in recent times, I've realized that a lot of our energy can be expended into striving and trying to manifest or bring this into reality, as opposed to coming from a more point of ease. And I know when we first started the shop, we were meditating like two hours a day and we were very, you know, just letting it all unfold. Whereas in recent years, maybe it's our lives have got busier. We have families with young kids. There's just more of this sense of a little bit of man mania has kind of slipped in at times. And I think it's just in recent times I've kind of remembered that sense of, you know, letting it all unfold and trusting the process as opposed to, oh, it better make it happen the way I want it to be. What have you found helps you to go back to that place of ease? I mean, you you mentioned that you both meditated, but being honest, that is tricky. If you're, especially you've, you both have children now, you know, your lives are full. For many people, meditating for two hours is just not a practical option. So what other things do you do to bring you back into that kind of sense of allowing yourself to trust the process? I'll tell you, and even for ourselves, two hours was well and good when we were 24 and we'd no children and... You know, we were still getting up at 3.30 in the morning to meditate. But in recent times, if I do 15 minutes a day meditation, I'm winning. But uh, one thing we, we do and we've done religiously for about six years now is we swim in the sea at sunrise. 
And for many people listening, it might sound, you know, they don't live by the sea, but that simple act of embracing nature, kind of baptizing in this cold water, seeing the sunrise, seeing the change of the season, it really reminds me at least that I'm part of this greater system and kind of reminds me when I do it, what are those, this sense of camaraderie, joy? Yeah, we, we do it as a group every morning. So there's a whole bunch of us that collectively go face this common enemy, aka the cold sea, because it's cold, like the Irish Sea is cold most of the time. So when you go in there, you, like a, a friend uses a quote, which he says is, I don't always love the person getting in the water, but I always love the person getting out. And it's so true that you can go in there with all the worries in the world, the weight of the world in your shoulders. And we'll often use the expression, I'm going down to the sea to drown the miserable man. Because it always, whatever way, it just metamorphosizes you to where you go into that water and your head emerges and you can hear better, you can see better. You're just so much more in the present moment and not lost in these future projections. And you also mentioned um, you do this at sunrise. And that time of the day also feels I guess, like this kind of golden nugget that anyone can kind of capture. Yeah, there's something kind of almost prehistoric about it that like, and there's something really biologically baked into our brains that we live in the east coast of Ireland. So when the sun rises over the sea, like right when we're on the beach, so there's something really basic when you're standing there on the beach and the sun is rising and it releases things in your brains and things fire and it it makes you feel more grateful or more part of a system or something. So it's been a habit that, Somehow, like we've always lived beside the sea, very fortunately, but in the last six or seven years, religiously, like we swim at sunrise. And that means now that it's December in Ireland, we swim at 8.50, like sunrise the moment is about 8.15, but in winter it's 4.50 a.m. So in summer it is. So it kind of goes like it's never the same time. So you consistently have to change your morning routine, but it's just so worth it. It just enriches our lives. And you really see, you appreciate the variations of seasons like Right now, it's kind of nearly hitting that winter moment. So you get this northerly wind that it's skin you, like where you're getting dressed, you're just like, oh! But it, <laughs> it also releases more endorphins and there's more sense of facing that common enemy. And when you do it, it's like, oh, I did it! Wow! You must have mornings, though, you're just like, I'm so cosy in this duvet. I really don't want to get up. What motivates you just to do it? And I feel this point actually goes and can spread across any discipline, any new habit. All of us have resistance, even to things that are going to be good for us. What are your thoughts on how you push through into new habits? I'd say two things for that. Number one is that I'd say one out of every two mornings, I feel it like it's just so it's not natural to get up. And even when you're wearing worn clothes and you're outside and it is cold, it isn't even daylight yet. And then to go down to the sea and stand on the beach and strip off and get to see, it's not something I'm looking forward to, but it's, it's been such a habit that I know it's a bit like someone that exercises. And even if they don't feel it, they just know it makes them feel better. Like, it's almost like the crapper you feel, the more, you know, you need it. So it's like this knowledge baked into my nervous system that now that I know when I feel crap, like if I'm having a bad day, I might swim in the sea three times because I know it just washes. Like I get a fresh start every time, you know, but I'd say, and the second thing is social accountability because there can be anywhere between five and 50 different people on the beach. You don't want to let them down. You're going to show up. And that's such a massive part. I think of any healthy habit that you've got support and social accountability because without that, it's so easy to go, ah, I won't this morning, sure. Jeez, my knees at me or, oh, it's really cosy here. And, oh, maybe, uh, you know, I feel oh, a bit of a sore throat. I'm not going to do it today, you know, or whatnot. So 
such a good point and if you don't live obviously by the sea this is the same for going on a walk or like meeting someone in the park or all of these great things where you can just kind of like be in your version of nature whatever whatever that might be for you how do you define happiness I, I read a lovely one at the weekend where it was talking and it was something which I really related to happiness is the balance of many different aspects of life like it's not like you know modern values in a sense like society's western ideals are almost like if you get loads of money and if you look really good and if you've got a beautiful partner and you live in a big house, well, then that must equal happiness. But having turned 40, we turned 40 last year. And I guess there's an element of you reflect upon your life. And how I define happiness is a sense of ease and grace to my day where there's my own relationship with myself is easier. And I'm living with just a sense of calm to my days where it's it's about my own relationship with myself, where I'm I'm aware of all this conditioning, which I've had over years of that. I need to do this and I need to be this and I need to be whatever. But I think true success for me is that ultimately that relationship with myself where I am, I'm not in a rush. I'm not trying to impress someone. I'm a nicer person starting with myself rather than with other people. And I'm going to go actually, when I reflect on it, true happiness is the ability to be present in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I think it's to accept whatever that moment is. And happiness, we always tend to see as this joyful, positive expression, but I think happiness, ultimately, if it's sustained happiness, is more contentment and it's kind of an ease and its ability to be present with what is. And a word which I kind of almost like is pleasant because pleasant is sustainable, whereas happiness is like it's going to burn. It's out. Red Bull. Like it's just you're just uh, you sustain it. You're going to burn out. It's like whereas I think pleasant and ease, those are things that you can sustain as you get older, you know. And I love that word you used, acceptance, because I think, you know, that's such an underused word in a way. And again, like a skill for us to kind of receive what happens to us in life and to be able to almost like digest it, which very much leads me on to your book, uh, which is going to help us digest everything a whole lot better than we are probably currently. I just wanted to start with a really simple question and it is so, so simple. But the reason why I wanted to, to begin so simply, I guess, is because I think many people would agree sometimes the food industry or health plans can feel so complicated and you're being told loads of different things and you're like, oh God, which one should I follow? But this book really breaks it down in such an easy, easy to kind of read way. But first of all, why is plant-based food nourishing? I think because the most nutrient dense foods are plant based and our message is not about vegan or vegetarian or anything. It's really if you look at it in the UK and most of the Western world nowadays, nine out of 10 people aren't eating enough fruit and veg. They're just not getting a recommended daily allowance of fiber. And it's just so, so primarily important. And I guess our, a lot of our expertise in this area comes from back about 10 years ago, almost we started we wanted to, ourselves, we changed our diet through traveling and we found out, wow, we feel way more energy. I feel better. I feel like oh, I want to inspire others. So back about almost 10 years ago, we put up posters around our cafe saying, you know, course to improve heart health, skinny, sexy, free. And we went down to the local doctors and we knocked on the door and how are you, brand? Yeah, great. Uh, we're looking for a nurse to measure cholesterol. We want to change heart disease. And um, 
You want to go? Yeah, and, and Brian said, oh, Angela's next door. So we knock on Angela's door. Say, hey, Angela, we want to like reverse heart disease. Will you help us? And she says, uh, yeah, of course I will. That's absolutely. So we agreed, it, agreed it with Angela and uh, we had 20 people sign up to our experiment. And they came along the first night and Angela measured everyone's cholesterol, weight and blood pressure. And they came once a week for four weeks and we got them to eat a plant-based diet. So it was getting them to eat the likes of porridge for breakfast and really nice veg- hearty vegetable soups and salads and then dinners of like pad thais and chilies and very different stuff for like a normal Irish person. Um, and we were really afraid. We, we thought if this doesn't work, like all our ideals and our like what we're living for is like change. It's like, what are we going to do? And there was an, but thankfully there's an average of class for 20% weight loss, uh, blood pressure re- dropped and everything. And it was, yeah, a huge success. And in the back of that, we ended up more and more people started coming and then people started writing articles in newspapers and then they got more and more popular. And then we partnered with doctors and started doing online courses. And we've online. had about 50,000 people through these plans. So I guess we've seen firsthand the benefits of eating a plant-based diet. Just yeah, really from a, from a practical point of view of how much it's transformed people's lives. To go over that, 50,000 people have experienced the transformative benefits of your plans. What are usually the reasons people look to your plans in the first place on the whole? And what would you say the main benefits are when they come out of it? I think most people, the main thing is probably more energy. Most people, I want to be more, I want to have more energy. I want to be a bit healthier. I know I can be better. But it does vary. Some people could come into it. Like recently, there was this taxi driver, Porig from Dublin, not into vegetables, not into that crap. But he, excuse my language, but uh, he, he happened to have a heart attack and his daughter bought him a present of our happy heart course. And he said, not eating those vegetables. And the equivalent was he had to go on statins for the rest of his life. Uh, so he said, right, I'll try it. So he did it for a week. She's lost weight. I'm doing all right. Kept doing it. And by the end of the four weeks, he went back to his doctor. His doctor was amazed by his results. He said, yeah, I eat a plant-based diet. Now, what can I say? I lost weight, I have more energy and I don't need to take those pills. So I guess... We've seen it like in so many cases, just the benefits of eating a plant-based diet and people could come to And that, that, that's an extreme example. Like a lot of people are just doing it because they, they just know in themselves they can feel better and they want a point to start off with. And ultimately it's down to like, like we've partnered with doctors and dietitians, and there is all that medical backing behind it. But ultimately it's down to getting people the exact same thing. It's getting people to cook the food and try to get their steps in and get some sleep you know and some people could come they might have digestive issues we have a happy good course with a gastroenterologist who's a digesting doctor so lots of people might have you know one in ten people typically struggle with digestive issues whether it be ibs ibd etc etc or we have a happy shape course with a bariatric gp and a dietitian and a and zana van dyke and a yoga person and herself so they're addressing different issues but ultimately it's all down to getting people supporting people because like I could ask my daughter who's 10, I'd say, Alice, what would I do to be healthy? And she'd say, well, you probably need to eat more veg. You probably want to make sure you're getting your sleep. Uh, they said in school we should drink water. And that's probably good enough. You know, probably have some friends, you know, so, so most people know the things. It's just being held accountable to do it. And I think that's what we tried to do with this book is really try to distill all the learnings from having had 50,000 people through them just into some plan that really tries to help hold people's hand and and support them through the process because it really is basic, simple things because ultimately we all want to feel good and wake up with energy and it's baby steps in that in the right direction. 
and you make it so delicious to be healthy what I love in the first few pages is you break down as as you just mentioned there lifestyle advice along with recipes and this is what I really love in particular because you're you're really teaching us like the why 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 these recipes should be in our life I would love to kind of go through the things that you actually advise people to avoid first of all you say you can eat as much as you want you should not be counting calories what does that mean yeah, so and that's something which we have on most of our plans is there's no calorie counting, no portion control. Eat as much as you want, because if you are eating a whole food plant based diet, so that's a diet around fruit, veg, beans, legumes, whole grains, nuts and seeds, all, all those type of foods like naturally whole food. And what I mean by whole food is the basic, simple things as you find it in nature. So once you're basing your diet around them, it's naturally low in calories. It's really high in fiber, which fills you up. And fiber is that kind of thing that you just have to chew more. And once you chew more, it releases uh, it signals to your stomach that you're actually starting to fill up. And it's the stuff that bulks out your food and actually fills up your tummy. Like, for example, I could drink one can of Coke and it's 260 calories. Or for that 260 calories, I would have to eat 10 carrots. And to eat 10 carrots would take me two and a half hours of constant chewing. And it would fill my tummy three times. So just the calorific density of different foods, if you focus on whole plant foods, you can eat as much as you want. You really can. Like um, we've got one of our chefs that's doing her happy heart course at the moment, and she's lost something like 10 kilos now in the first three weeks of it. It's just exciting, you know, that, that whole thing. And really, I think because nowadays, like calories is so important to so many people and it can, it can cause neurosis and it can cause anxiety and stresses. But if you are really focused on, and as I said, it's not about vegan or vegetarian, but our plans are all based around whole plant foods because that's what we've eaten for 20 years. And that's what we're really trying to encourage people to do as much as works for them. So it's really about all those foods are naturally low in calories, high in fiber, high in vitamins and minerals, and uh, they really nourish your body. You know, What does fiber actually do in your body? Like, why is it so good? And for example, like, what is the point of whole grain? So in a society nowadays, we tend to be obsessed with protein. There's different people eating protein to lose weight. There's other people eating protein to put on muscles. It's in so many powders and smoothies and everything. But like 96, 95 to 97% of us are not getting a fiber. And fiber is vitally important to most of our immune system cells are based in your gut. More than 70% of your immune system cells are based in your gut. And that consists of all your microbiome, which you might be aware of, which is a collection of all the bacteria and microorganisms in your gut, which might sound weird. But um, fiber is the food that all these microorganisms feed in. And 70% of your immune system cells are based there. And the more fiber-rich foods you eat, the more the healthier strains are fed, the stronger your immune system is. There's also a massive link between your gut and your brain, which affects your moods, your mental health, the foods you're attracted to. And how much fiber you eating has just such a mass effect on all these aspects of your Where do you get fiber day? You only get it in fruit veg. Can I tell a little tiny story? Please. Maybe it was about five years ago. We went into the government buildings and we met the Minister for Health and we were all super excited about launching this program about kind of getting a healthy eating on the curriculum in primary schools. And I remember we said, okay, we're going to launch this in my daughter's school just down the road from our house. And I thought, great. So I went down and I met the principal and she was this kind of, an old nun who'd been there for years. And I remember sitting down meeting with her and I started talking and I mentioned fiber and she suddenly lit up and like she was turned on by fiber. And I was like, <laughs> oh, there's a nun turned on by fiber. This is weird. I gotta, gotta find out why. And we got talking and she said that 
you know, in recent years, pretty much every week, two to three kids would go home due to a deficiency in fiber, due to constipation. And she said prior to the recent kind of last five years, this never happened. But now every week without fail, two to three kids would go home with constipation due to a lack of fiber and how the diet has literally just changed. And she could see this to her own eyes. And I just thought that was amazing. And fiber, I think, is the main nutrient that we're missing. But I think that word is not sexy. Like at least protein people thinks it's muscles and it's abs and it's it's all those type of things. Whereas fiber, no one knows what it is. So that's why we focus. Fiber people think with toilet. People, they think of all brand or they think of the, I don't know what they think of. But it's like, it, that's why we focus on eating more fruit and veg. And because it's fruit, veg, it's like the highest source of fiber in our diet is beans and lentils. And if you look at the, the longest living people on the planet, this is people, have you heard the blue zones? Please tell us more because it's fascinating. Okay, yeah. So the blue zones are there. It was a big project done by National Geographic, fronted up by Dan Butner, And they wanted to find out where the longest living, happiest, healthiest people were on the planet. And they found five areas in the world where there's the most amount of centenarians. So small little communities. And obviously they went in there with all their scientists trying to figure out how, what do these people do? How do they, what do they eat? How much do they sleep? What, like, how do they live their lives? And they found out that in terms of their diet, 95% plus of their diet is whole plant foods. And 50% of their diet is of beans and lentils and legumes, which are the fiber, the most fiber rich foods. So they're eating so much fiber, which is therefore improving their immune system. It's affecting their mental health. Their like movement is just a part of their day. They don't go to gyms. They don't do triathlons. The moral of the story was just about fiber, that fiber is... Fiber is good. We fiber is really good. And you get that in fruit and veg. And is fruit or vegetables better than each other? Is there kind of a ranking order of what's better or not, or more fiber or not? Everyone listening is starting from a different place. Some people hate vegetables. Great, we'll start with fruit. And start with something in season, because typically it just it's more attractive. It's more desirable right now in... Europe and Northern Europe, apples, pears are in season. They're starting with some Alfonso mangoes from Spain. They were incredible today. The oranges are just starting. That's in terms of fruit. Blood but oranges. Like, it's also, if you live in the Northern Hemisphere, like porridge is wonderful this time of year. And it's a hearty grain. You could have that with almond butter on it. So you suggest that people should avoid animal-based products. Please talk us through that, because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people screaming, being like, no, not the cheese. Now, our plans are focused on optimization. So like we originally created our plans on heart disease, which was like, you know, it's the biggest killer in the world. And this was these plans were designed to be like as efficient as they could be at reversing all the indicators for heart disease. So our plans are the ideal. And we are fully aware that everyone is starting from different points food is neither good or bad. Some are healthier and some are less healthier. So it's about trying to choose, you know, we're all going to die anyway. And there's no such thing as perfection. So we're all somewhere on the spectrum and some are more healthy and some are less healthy. So in terms of the healthier choices, it's really about focusing on the whole plant foods because they're like the whole grains, the beans in terms of the animal foods, like obviously they taste good and loads of us eat lots of them and cheese and dairy and all these type of things. The reason why we avoid them in our plans are because they have no fiber in them. They have lots of saturated fat. They have no antioxidants. They've got very little vitamins and minerals and they contain cholesterol in them, which influences our tendencies towards heart disease, which is the biggest killer in the world nowadays. So, and most people are eating far in excess of the amount of animal foods in terms of their own well-being, in terms of... Well, well, but it? again, it's about doing our best. And for people listening, you know, if you really need to eat it, great. It's just, to, I think rather than focusing on what you can't have, 
it's much better to focusing on what you can have and just to try to you know do your best with what it is but eat more plant-based i think is very eat more vegetables the more you can do that the more beneficial it'll be for your health so what would you say a more effective place uh, to find calcium would be yeah so calcium is actually a mineral which comes from the soil most people when i say the word calcium they'll think of cow's milk or cheese or probably milk is most of the thing and milk when we're talking about milk we're talking about breast milk from the udder of a pregnant cow and the cow gets its calcium from the soil anything that grows in the soil is rich in calcium so like green vegetables root vegetables anything that's you know nuts and seeds yeah fruits and veg all of these contain calcium so it's there's many factors in terms of like if you're talking about in terms of osteoporosis or in bone health like there's many factors, eating foods that contain lots of calcium, such as green vegetables, exercise, like your bones only absorb calcium when you strain them. So movement is really important for absorbing calcium. And then vitamin D is really important for calcium absorption. So there's a few factors as well as what you eat. You know, lots of people will just take a calcium supplement, but unless you're actually straining your bones, the osteoblasts in your bone actually won't open up and absorb the calcium. So I mean, isn't that nuts? I just feel that like the education that basically all of us had was just missed out on like these vital points like you can't absorb calcium if you don't strain your bones I mean you've just taught me that I didn't even know that that's phenomenal my mind has been blown I hope everyone else's (laughs) as well I love it so obviously like everybody likes a creamy latte in the morning what would you have in your coffee or tea instead of milk in our cafes now I'd say 60% of all coffees now are based on oat milk uh, and that's just down to preference as opposed to it being a cafe for elite vegans. Yeah, like a few, a few years ago, we stopped charging a premium for non-dairy milk. So people can choose what they want. It's not a price dictated thing. And like lots of our baristas will encourage people, have you ever tried oat milk? And yeah, now it's probably a, like there is definitely a majority. We use more oat milk than we do dairy milk on a day in, day out. Yeah, and most people don't notice. It's very neutral and creamy and just tastes great. But, but again, if you need to have cow's milk in your coffee, great. Enjoy it. Yeah. But in terms of sustainability, like oat milk is the one of the most sustainable in terms, particularly in Ireland and England, where there is loads of oats grown. Like we're actually developing our own plant based milk, like oat milk, which is based on local organic Irish oats. It uses less water. It's easy. It's renewable. It's you know less energy intense. So it's a great choice for your own health and many factors. Helping yourself and helping the planet, a good step forward. The I had a couple of other aha moments uh, when I was reading this book, one being oil. And actually you guys being in support of trying to take oil out of the cooking process. I'm just going to be honest, I am not a great cook. I'm just, <laughs> something I really need to work on. But obviously we use oil a lot, but actually you suggested baking vegetables, which I, I'd never heard of before. I thought that was fascinating. So I'd love to talk about why should we avoid oil and what should we have on our salads instead and, and, and the baking vegetable point. Again, this is the extreme example, the no oil for cardiovascular health and for anyone wanting to reduce their dietary cholesterol as quick as possible. And, and, and for optimizing weight loss, like it's very efficient. To yeah, so oil, oil um, is 120 calories per tablespoon. In terms of what it brings to the cooking process, oil enables a more even distribution of heat and encourages more browning and even caramelization. So we love it in terms of the development of flavor. However, in terms of health, Oil you're taking, most of the oil we consume, at least in Europe, typically is olive oil. And you're taking an olive 
and you're removing the fiber, you're removing most of the vitamins and minerals and extracting nothing but the fat, the liquid gold, which we love, the most calorie dense substance on the planet, 4,000 calories per pound. So it's a reason why we add it, like the number one determinant of how much pleasure we get from food is the more calories are in our food, the more pleasure we get. And fat by its very nature has twice the calories when compared to protein and carbohydrate. And that's why oil being 100% fat and being 4,000 calories per pound, the addition to oil to anything just makes, increases the calorific load and gives us more pleasure. So we love oil. And that's the challenge of it is that we're biologically hardwired to crave foods like this. Whereas if we're looking for optimum blood flow, we're better off reducing our use of oil in cooking and in terms of cooking. Because even if you think about it, like blood flow, like if you inhibit blood flow to any part of the body, you inhibit it. Like it's, it's like the traffic. If you've got a traffic jam in one part, it slows up the whole city. And it's the same with eating foods like such as oil that doesn't encourage cardiovascular health, which means the blood flow around our veins and arteries. If you've got a traffic jam anywhere in that, you've got it all over your body. And that inhibits the flow of oxygen to every cell in your body, the nutrients to every cell in your body. Now, like most people do cook with oil and, and we do, uh, like we, we home, do I lots cook with oil. I use a spray bottle at home and I'll minimize it or sometimes I won't, but I'll just use a nonstick pan across the board. And I think with food, it's not about perfect. It's about doing your best. If oil makes your vegetables taste great and you're more likely to eat it, use the oil, do your best. Same way often people will ask us, what about alcohol? It's like if alcohol makes you drink, eat your vegetables and feel good, drink the alcohol, do your best. There's no perfect. Like, yeah, and there really isn't because there's so much comparison and so much we're all struggling with FOMO and (laughs) the comparison culture that I I think we all just have to be kinder to ourselves. So talking about salads and let's say I just want to take some easy steps. Let's say cutting out oil is that step for you. What would you suggest, you know, putting on your salad that's not oil? For most people, they think of salad as butterhead lettuce with a little bit of, maybe a little bit of red onion and maybe even pickle the red onion, a little bit of like kind of a a semi-ripe tomato, a few bits of cucumber and maybe a few spring onions on the side. Yay! And we'll make a little vinaigrette. And that's what salad means. But salad is such a broad term, whether you could be putting, you know, quinoa that you've kind of infused with a bit of turmeric and ginger and you've toasted some pine nuts and some sesame seeds and you've Boom. Delicious. Yeah. Making nice big noodle salads like wholemeal noodle salads with all sorts of baked sweet potato and baked veg and, you know, have lots of herbs and lots of toasted seeds through it. And it could just, you know, you won't miss the oil because it's so banging in so many of the flavors. And when you make a big hearty salad like that, it can last for three days. You can eat it for lunch for three days and, you know, cook once and eat it for three days can be quite an efficient thing to do, you know. Big time. I love the explanation of why uh, plant-based eating is great for the skin. And a skin like constipation, we get so many listeners writing in asking kind of let's do more episodes on those particular problems. So I'd love to hear, you know, your thoughts on how food affects the skin. Uh, The skin is the biggest organ of elimination in our body. And we kind of forget it, you know, like in terms of organ elimination, most people, you know, you know, your bowel, you know, your kidneys, obviously your lungs are important important with that. But the skin is, is the biggest organ of elimination. And it's it's representative. It's almost like, I think in the book, I gave the analogy of it's like the fruit on a tree. Like you'd be naive to think the fruit is the whole cause of everything. The fruit is dependent on the soil, on the amount of weather, on the nutrients, the amount of light it's getting, and that dictates the fruit. And it's the same where our skin is a representation. Like it's the outer limit of our body. Like it keeps all our organs in, it keeps all our blood in. 
but it also is a representation of what's going on in the inside. So like what we talk about is eat yourself to healthy skin because it's just a representation of the outside. So your skin is a reflection on what you eat. If you eat lots of processed foods and kind of more less healthy choices, like more junk foods and refined foods, greasy foods, those will show up in your skin. If, you, if you're not really sleeping very well and stressed, those will be reflected in your skin. Whereas if you can focus more on, you know, eating more plant-based foods that are higher in water, they're higher in antioxidants, they're high in omega-3s, they're high in fiber, your digestion will be better, your skin will be better. As a result of that, maybe you might be more inclined to drink more water, you know, therefore you might be better hydrated. When you're like eating better, you might feel like moving more, you might make more friends that way because you're outside, you're meeting more people. And it can have a catalytic effect on so many different aspects of your life. Catalytic, nice word. A positive domino effect on so Woo! many aspects of your life. Go, Dave. Thanks, Steve. In your opinion, what do you think is the most misunderstood vegetable? Oh, wow. I would go with the pumpkin. I think people just think of a pumpkin as a jack-o'-lantern. It's something that you carve. And they see these huge, big pumpkins, and that's a pumpkin to them. Whereas pumpkin come in so many different varieties, and it's one of my favorite vegetables. Like a kabocha squash is a green pumpkin with a yellow, like rich, egg-like squash, like sweet potato texture that's sweet and succulent. And when you leave the skin on, you get this contrast of crispy exterior. And, just and you bake it in the oven with a little bit of oil and a little bit of salt. And literally, I've eaten it for breakfast loads of times. Like pumpkin, I think, is something that is such an underrated vegetable. I'm going to go with leek. Leek in a lot of art in the UK, we tend to kind of cut off the green of it and just use the white of it and kind of almost use it as an on- onion substitute. But it's like underneath it, once you clean it out and the green of the leek, like in... Typically in País Basco or in northern Spain, they'll throw away the white part and just use the green because it's most nutritious. Whereas I think just leek is such a sweet, delicate vegetable. And when I, I love to kind of slice it into kind of chunks and love to kind of bake, steam it. Like, so I'll put it in the oven with a little bit of moisture in the bottom of the tray and it kind of steams and chars around the edges. And it's just this soft, sweet, melt-in-your-mouth-like texture that I just door yeah it caramelizes up really really well but it's just sucking like it's proper you'd eat it for your dinner like it's just you just eat a big tray of baked leeks and you'd be delighted standing there going oh my i love leeks i love leeks yeah (laughs) okay so i thought i would fire at you some situations and then you can tell me what recipe you would go to for that situation oh wow i love this okay so you're stressed out you're working late you quite want to order in to save the hassle, but realize you could cook. What would you make? I wouldn't. When you eat and you're stressed, you don't really digest. You don't appreciate it. I'd go out and do some exercise, drink some water. And then when I feel more balanced, I'd probably eat something simple and humble, like a bowl of porridge. Yeah. And when you were saying those things, like I just know when I feel wound up and stressed, the last thing I need is food. It's not going to help just, me. You do. I'll do yoga or something, something that will just help get me out of my head and get me back in my body and actually make me feel better. Because when I feel better, I make much better decisions. Okay, date night. You're trying to impress someone. You're maybe date five in. It's not awkward. You're kind of getting to know each other, but it's still early days. What would you cook? I cook something simple. I'd probably make like a nice simple pad thai or some type of noodle based coconut based dish with lots of stir fried easy veg 
There's a lovely one in the book. There is. I've seen that one. You've got an, a coconut milk based sauce. We've got tamarind. You've infused it with all sorts of different flavors and limes and corianders and then topped it off with black sesame seeds. And, you know, you can really make a dish like that, which is a noodle based dish. Even earlier, we made a simple two ingredient chocolate mousse, which is one of them that you can make at the table. It's kind of like an infused. So normally chocolate mousse would be made with butter or cream and the cocoa salads would be diluted. Whereas this one's based on water and we create this natural emulsion like chocolate and water. And this, it's like so elegant because the cocoa solids aren't diluted. It really, Ooh. it kind of dances across your tongue. Yes. And it's a wonderful one to make at the table because you kind of like you're, it, it takes about three minutes to make and you can infuse it, whether it be mint or berry or gin or whiskey or rum, or you want star anise. And but the best thing is it's super sensual. You could chop a whole lot of fruit there and like, slowly start feeding one another and it could go to places I could, it could just get, get wonderful that sounds such a winner a real winning dish <laughs> <laughs> okay so we're now further into the relationship we're spicing it up we've maybe been together for a few years you want to surprise your partner they're not expecting it what would you cook so in the cafe, one of our most popular dishes has been just a simple lasagna. And like it's whether it be meat eaters, non-meat eaters, vegans, vegetarians, it's just a cracking recipe. And in this book, I wanted to try to create one that was equally as delicious, but had no oil in it. Because, you know, if you think about romance, you know, the most things in Western society that are associated is like sexy, it's drugs, it's alcohol, it's meat, it's all these things, but they all constrict blood flow. And as a result, Viagra is the best selling drug of all time for men. Whereas anything that improves blood flow typically are less sexy. It's fruit and vegetables and things that, that don't have oil in them. So this lasagna being a part of your date, you're <laughs> somehow managing to associate this lasagna with sex. I love it. I don't know. I'm just having a bit of fun. seeing The them. natural could... Viagra. Linking them all the up. Natural, there we go. Natural Viagra lasagna. Well, yeah. it's a no Don't need a pill. It's very tasty and easy to make. And Stephen's implying that it's quite erotic. Well, I, I think it's good for blood flow, which anything that improves blood flow just helps all, all parts of the body. I mean, I think that should be your next book. Uh, just on <laughs> a, like another point, that is such a huge wellness concern for so many men around the globe. And I didn't know that you could help. Our second most viewed video on YouTube. So we've got, I think one video is almost 2 million views. And there's another one is Natural Viagra. Our next two most videos are natural Viagra and really the, the first sign of heart disease, the canary in the coal mine for, for men. men is erectile dysfunction. Because as I said earlier, if you've got blood flow issues to any part of the body, you have it to all parts of the body. And obviously is blood flow is quite important for that one. Really, really interesting. And I'll put a link to that video in the show notes for anybody <laughs> who wants to learn more. Um, okay. Morning energy boost. You've got a big day ahead. What are you going to go for? I'd go with something. I'd go porridge. I'm, I'm a devil being Irish. Like there's three in that book. There's three lovely, simple porridge recipes, but porridge for many people is like gruel or prison food and they hate it. So I think it's a matter of pimping it up or just layering on flavor, whether it be compote, coconut yogurt, caramelized banana, whether you're kind of toasting seeds, whether you're making a simple granola to go with it. It's just kind of having the components to make it more multifaceted and more desirable. And suddenly you're like, wow, that's luxurious. And it took me five minutes to make. And, and I would go for, there's a wonderful banafi overnight oats, which is you make a delicious date caramel. So it's like, it tastes just like a caramel, but it's rich in indulgence and it's based around dates. There's a really kind of creamy overnight oats, which obviously the creams is coming from the oats, the oat milk, there's a little bit of coconut yogurt through it. 
and then you're topping it off with banana and there's, you know, there's all sorts of cinnamon and other things through it, but it just tastes rich and indulgent and it doesn't taste like something. It's not heavy. It's not heavy. Like I find overnight oats and chia seed puddings are two of my go-tos for breakfast at home. More often than that, we'll eat chia seed pudding or we'll eat overnight oats and those are just... Uh, What's a chia seed pudding, Dave? That's seed. Okay, so... So, okay, well, maybe I'll just make it to layman's terms. So we all want healthy oils that are really good for our hair, for our skin. We all want things that help our digestion. Chia seeds are really rich in omega-3s. They're really high in protein. They're really high in fiber. I typically put them with, we have ground flaxseed. We have all sorts of other little bits going through them. And then we'll serve it with lots of different types of fruit and almond butter. And that could be our so, breakfast. So you'll soak your chia seeds in kind of like an oat milk or a rice milk, maybe with a bit of raspberry and banana to create this natural kind of like, almost like a pudding. That goes really well with granola or some form of yogurt. So afternoon delight, you're feeling that kind of 4 p.m. could feel a bit slumpy. You've got another two hours work to do, let's say. What are some snacks that you like to have? I love like the first one that comes to my mind is I love slicing apple, just even slicing an apple and putting a little bit of almond butter and a little bit of coconut yogurt at the top. Uh, in that book, we have a whole section of where I can kind of do healthy, healthier sauces. They're based around medjool dates, whether they be kind of a chocolate one, whether you're kind of going down to kind of a caramel one, whether you're going for a Nutella-like one, whether you're kind of an orange-infused chocolate one, where it just, it shows you how you can take something. Dates, yes, they're high in sugar, but they're high in fiber to slow down the release of that sugar. So I think the more we can base our snacks, and that's not saying all the time, you know, I love chocolate just the same as anyone, but the more you can kind of, make the healthy option the easy option the more sustainable it is to be healthy if that's what you're into what cool things do you try to encourage people to have in their fridge at all times so they just have some basics in case they've been disorganized they haven't done a shop you know like we always all find ourselves in that situation what are your kind of fridge staples so I, I'm going to expand it out from the fridge and go to store cupboard staples. <laughs> I'll definitely have oat milk I will definitely have chia seeds because I find that's a really good one for breakfast I'll definitely have nuts and dates. So I'll probably have almonds. I'll probably have medjool dates. Like those would be nice snacks. I'll probably have hummus in my fridge always because I think crackers, like Rivita crackers with hummus is just an easy go-to snack. In terms of dinners, I will always have chopped tomatoes. I will like tin chopped tomatoes. I'll always have tin coconut milks. I'll always have dried noodles, like as in whole wheat noodles. I'll probably have pastas. I'll probably have tinned beans of all different types, like whether it be butter beans or kidney beans or chickpeas or whatnot. And that'll probably be most of the core things, which what would you add? I'll probably yeah. have miso in the fridge. And in terms of the fridge, kind of do your best. Like for some people, they might like to go to the shop every day. And if in that case, they don't really use their fridge that much. But some people might prefer to shop once a week. And if they do, one thing that I was listening to kind of this interest behavioral psychologist talking about how ironically fruit and veg, we tend to put in the cupboard in the fridge. So it's the one part that we don't really look to. And so often our fruit and veg tends to go off. And he was saying, if you can just even storing your fruit and veg just at eye level and not in plastic. So it's very accessible and you're more drawn to it. You're more likely to use it as opposed to throw it out the week after the cauliflower has gone brown in the bottom of the cabinet of the fridge. I love that. <laughs> well, we've only got a few minutes left and I want to squeeze in two questions. First of all, if we were going to go back to meet your 18 year old self, what would that self be like and how do you feel you've changed with everything you've learned and the journey you've gone through into building Happy Pair? As 18 year olds, we are very similar to the way we are now, but we're probably just more, <laughs> even like, yeah, more so. But my, my advice to myself would be to, to kind of, not that we really were hugely worried about others thought, but to kind of 
go after our dreams with even and our curiosity with even more vigor and even more tenacity and to kind of not really be overly concerned, like be respectful to what others think, but ultimately to listen to our own heart and to pursue what made sense to us and just to enjoy it, embrace it, go for it, remember that it's not going to last forever and who knows when it's going to end. And, and I'd probably just say, like, it's so easy looking back retrospectively, like, you know, I think I would say to myself to just take it easy and slow down and, you know, all those things, you are enough, you are enough, you don't need to prove anything to everyone, anyone, just slow down and enjoy the journey and it's all going to unfold beautifully. And lastly, what's the best advice you've ever been given by someone else? And who was it from? Mom, probably. Mom's a great one. I don't know what advice she'd say, but mom's full of little nuggets. I'd probably say like one advice that comes along very clearly was back many years ago as a business, we borrowed a large chunk of money and we were kind of very focused on opening and we'd open our fourth cafe and we we're planning on opening more and rolling them out. And it was all going great. And we met this guy that Dave had done his thesis on and um, this business philosopher called Charles Handy. And I remember meeting him and he, we kind of were telling him where we were at in the business. And I remember going over to meet him in Cambridge and, and, and he was 86 at the time. And he invited wow. us to farm and cooked a plant-based dinner for us and everything. And he, he, the whole discussion went back to what's important and when is enough enough. And the whole conversation went in a very different direction than what we'd expected. And, and it kind of really made us question what's success and what is true wealth and where does it all kind of land together. And, and that I, I guess I can't distill it down to one piece of advice, but in essence, it made us question what success was for us, us and to remember it was the simple things like being able to breakfast with your family, walk the kids to school, go for a swim in the morning and just enjoy the little things in life. Wow, 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 and more wow. What a just touching note to finish this informative, insightful, entertaining. Like, thank you for being such brilliant guests. Um, and just like, I've just loved it. Thank oh, you so thank much, Bobby. Our absolute pleasure, genuinely, really. We're, we're tickled pink. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening. It would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating, subscribing and sharing this podcast. I also would love to hear from you. So please find me at Poppy Jamie on Instagram, DM me and I would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss. Download Happy Not Perfect, my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes. It's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs. Sending lots of love and energy. See you next time. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.